Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 36th official episode today. The fi- Raptors are NBA champions. We the North, baby. They did it. That's They wild, beat the Warriors. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I know you're not. You're not quite as excited. Your idol. Steph Curry. One Wardell Stephen Curry yeah. has been taken down by the Claw <laughs> and his teammates. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, everybody went full goat mode yeah. to take down this dynasty. And I don't think, we'll get into it, I don't think that necessarily this means that it's the end of the Warriors per se, because Steph Curry and Draymond have already come out and say, and come out and said, like, this isn't the end. We shall see. But of course they're going to say that. But, but like- for one year, at least, we had a new team in the finals, a, a, a guy not named LeBron James leading the, leading the Eastern Conference. And winning the NBA champion. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Okay, first of all, like before we get into this, just rest up to Katie and Clay Thompson. Like, yeah, that was really hard to see, and also just like the impact of that on the series. We were talking a lot about consistency, uh, like a few days ago, mm-hmm. and that I feel like people don't understand that it's not only like, oh yeah, you're losing Kevin Durant, who's the second best player. Oh yeah, you're losing Clay Thompson, who's an all star. It's that on and off. For a team, this isn't NBA 2K. This is a team, and like <laughs> I like basketball teams and basketball players, they need consistency. There was a team that started the fourth quarter in Game Six that had never played to that had never played together. A lineup, a lineup, of like, yeah. Uh, Jurebko, Draymond, Demarcus Cousins, Quinn Cook, and Sean Livingston. They had never played all that five lineup had never played together before, in any ever. of the 82 games of yeah. the regular season just, or playoffs. There's something to be said about consistency. One game you have Kevin Durant, next game you don't. One time you have Clay Thompson, then the other half of the game you don't. It's just like yeah. there's certain things that you need to adapt to and that you're not used to with the Warriors that if you're playing the other best team in the NBA, that's going to come out and that's going to show. And personally, I think it did. It's it's also there's something to be said about I don't think it's ever a bad thing to get Kevin Durant back or to get um, DeMarcus Cousins back in the middle of a series, right? You're never going to be upset that one that two of your best players are coming back like partway through a series. But it's really hard when you're just getting when your game plan is just changing to welcome them back into the system. You're finally thinking, okay, now we're gonna start readjusting to how we played this entire season because we got our guys back. And it's like a game five. And they go down again, right? And so now all of a sudden Clay is gone again and and Kevin Durant is gone again. Yeah. And that is not the, what you want to be happening in a winner winner go home game. Yeah. And it just yeah, like, like when you're playing the other best team in the NBA, those things come to place. You see, the Warriors, like most games, they had like an absurd amount of turnovers that cost them the game. That's yeah. from lack of consistency. Yeah. It's just like there are certain plays. Like Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, yeah, they're one of the most talented backcourts of all time. But also they might just have like the best chemistry in a backcourt of all time just because sure. they know each other's spots so well. Same thing, I think, even with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I think for every player on this team, this sort of whole warrior system and this unit plays so much better together that as individuals, they all look incredible, right? The way that this system is built around each and every one of these guys is just so perfect. The way that it's built to get Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, it's built around all those guys to get in their shots, to build on their strengths and sort of hide their weaknesses perfectly. The problem is that when you've been playing in that same system and it's gotten you to five straight finals and all of a sudden the key parts of that system start to go down one by one and you're looking for other guys like Sean Livingston and Quinn Cook and Andre Iguodala to step up and fill those spots of guys like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Like, yes, those guys are great in the system. Yes, those guys are great for your depth and off the bench. But in the NBA finals, when you're going up against the Toronto Raptors, it's not the same thing. And it's not quite that perfect fit that got you to five straight finals. And also, you can't get away with it because all of a sudden now on the court, it just struck me. Even like when Clay Thompson was in the game, but you didn't have Kevin Durant for game like for games like one and two or something. There were like two guys on the court that could shoot. <laughs> that and was one that, of the biggest things. That thing. struck me as like the mo- the least Warriors thing I've seen in five years. Yeah. Because. They revolutionized the NBA with having, like, four guys who can shoot on the court 
almost at all times. Back when Draymond could shoot, back back when you had like other people, other wings that could do their thing, Harrison Barnes even they could just do their thing and you had a bunch of bench depth and then all of a sudden like your best your best bench player is like Andre Iguodala who's streaky from the three or Quinn Cook who is like a five-year senior who's like good but he has a lot of J.R. Smith in him even though I still love Quinn Cook but like and those are only two like bench shot makers I think it's just that the guys who are coming off the bench are very one-dimensional like Sean Livingston can kind of do like about one thing and that's like use his length to get to the basket and play some defense. Andre Iguodala does like kind of one thing, which is like use his athleticism to play solid defense and like get to the basket. Occasionally he'll hit a big three. Quinn Cook, kind of all he does is just like stand around the perimeter and hit and hit an open shot. He hit some of the biggest shots in like some of the games that the Warriors won, but it's still just one dimensional. They're, they don't do quite as much as Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, um, DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, who are just total utility knives that kind of just do it all out in the court. Yeah, and that's and sort of like... like you, you would you would guys out there that you're like, okay, we don't want this guy to be on the court and we don't really trust him, but we have to rely on him because mm-hmm. we don't have Kevin Durant and or we don't have Klay Thompson and or we don't have Kevon Looney. Yeah. And that just... That, that seemed so weird to me as a team that's used to having like the Warriors be awesome and all of a sudden you, you're out there with like Quinn Cook being your best offensive player when Curry needs rest, and then you have like Alfonso McKinney who you're relying on to be like your like the guy to kick out to in the corner, and so like your offense is like Quinn Cook and Andrew Bogut picking and rolls where it's like you have like a, a zip kind of flare with Alfonso McKinney, and that's that's a lineup and that's a play that you're relying on in Game Four of the NBA Finals. Yeah, like, and everybody who's a consistent listener to the show that's not well, supposed no. to happen. I will hesitate to call any pl- anybody on the Warriors underrated, but I think that one thing that does go underrated for this team is the ability of guys, specifically Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, how much their impact as shooters makes. Just having them out in the court, whether they're having an off night, whether they're having a great night, whether they're, they have the ball in their hands or not, the defense puts so much attention on on a screen. You gotta chase Steph Curry. You gotta play, uh, chase Klay Thompson. At all times, they're the primary focuses, was, and that opens up so much else, which was, is why it's so important to have other shooters. Yeah, it was so funny. The amount of, I call them Steph Curry assists, where it's mm. like you, you set a screen down for Steph Curry. And, and two then, guys run yeah. and guard Steph Curry, and, and so, then and, leave someone and wide so open. And so the screen is wide open. The amount of times that happened, it was like it was like two or three times per yeah. game. And, and <laughs> like, I think that the, that's kind of the number one most important thing about this Warriors team has been their strength in numbers sort of motto or like... Yeah thing throughout these five finals appearances they had and it's the strength idea. in two players it's the, the idea the that series. throughout these five finals runs clay thompson and steph curry have been taking all that attention coming off screens and with the ball in their hands just as threat just threatening their three-point shot but what that does is when two guys chase them it means that you've got someone like harrison barnes or andre Iguodala, or like demarcus cousins or kevin durant even that's going to be left open. And the thing is, they just have so many... They've always had so many different weapons and so much depth that it was always so dangerous to try to overhelp and overcommit on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, which is what made them so hard to guard. So now when it's just Steph Curry, maybe not even Klay Thompson, and you don't have that same depth... They ran a box in freaking If all one. you have to do is stop <laughs> Steph Curry, then that entire value that he is as... Let me just go stand on the perimeter and three guys have to guard me is gone because no one else is putting the ball in the basket. So yeah. that's why when he scored that 47 points, he put up 47, but it didn't feel quite as valuable or as important. And I've told you this, and I don't, you probably I, I don't, don't agree. agree. I don't think it felt that valuable or important because it felt like all the Raptors had to do was just guard Steph Curry. That was the only thing they had to and, worry and he about. he still put up 47. Exactly. But the thing was, because he was the only guy out there putting the ball in the basket, the Raptors were like, okay, like we're going to just try to make his life harder. He's going to put up big and numbers. He, and he did. They made but his life didn't hard matter. and he put up 47. They did make his life hard, but what they, what they also kind of said is like, all right, like Steph Curry will go off. No one else is going off. And if you have just one guy going off, you're not going to win the game. And they didn't. Okay, but like, 
I'm just saying, like, you could say, like, oh, yeah, like, he's the one taking all the shots. He took 31 shots in that game, which, yeah, it's a lot. Mm. But I've seen Steph, uh, I've seen Russell Westbrook take 40 shots okay, in the Russell playoff Westbrook, game. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook. No, I've, I've, seen St- I've seen Russell Westbrook take 40 shots in a yeah. playoff game and average, like, and have, like, a 30-point triple-double. Steph Curry almost dropped 50 when they ran a box and one on him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's JV high school stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's JV high I mean, school he, stuff. He and embarrassed like, that defense at times. That, but I, what I'm saying is, like, when you don't have anybody else, that 47 points, no matter how well Steph Curry was playing, felt meaningless because you knew that they were going to lose that game. Did you, though? I, from beginning to end, when it was just Steph Curry out there, every time the ball went in the hoop, I was like, all right, I mean, like, it, was, it doesn't matter. It was close for some of it. But it didn't and feel he, like, he kept to me, close. it didn't feel like they were going to win. I don't know how to help you then, if you can't appreciate it. <laughs> Steph appreciate. Curry was fantastic that game, but it didn't feel important. There are times in the playoffs How did it not feel important? Because it didn't feel like it was going to amount the to anything. The score was somewhat close. Yes, but at, from you're, beginning you're to end... You're just saying that the Warriors sucked so much that it didn't matter. Sort of, so, yeah. that's not that's not Curry's fault. Yeah, whatsoever. I'm not saying it's Curry's fault. I'm just saying that, like... That's part of the consistency thing. Is like, it with this roster, Curry could drop forty-seven. And it could not matter. Is mostly what I'm saying. Yeah, and it it, it didn't matter. I don't like, think it's. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. You, you can't criticize Steph Curry for having that for that forty-seven point game. Like obviously that was great. It, but yeah, and but we'll Steph, get into it. Like yeah, Steph Curry. You were joins saying only LeBron as the player to drop forty-seven plus in a finals game and lose. So wild. <laughs> Part of what I'm saying is like when LeBron was dropping that 47 in the finals, I don't remember exactly what game that was, but I'm pretty sure it felt a lot more significant as I was watching it than this did. I, I, feel I like don't know that, why. I feel like that's a bad like, double standard to have. I don't know. Yeah. It just, yeah. I feel like I feel like people don't understand how hard it is to score against a box and <laughs> one. Like, yeah, I mean, you've played against a box and one. Okay, I wasn't gonna bring that up. But no, yeah. Like, no, like a box and one, like. You have two people on you at all times. And Steph yeah. Curry, being a small dude, he has to navigate around that. And if he can beat one guy, which, by the way, he beat Kawhi Leonard off the dribble a lot this series. Anyways, he, if, you, if you beat one guy off the dribble, it doesn't matter because there's another guy stepping up. And with Steph Curry's play style of running around a bunch of these screens and always being like tired because he's always moving, and now all of a sudden having to make a move, which takes a lot of effort, and then having to make another one or just pull up really quickly, mm-hmm. that's just... It just wears you down, and you saw that because after that forty-seven point game, the next game he sucked. Like he was very, very bad. And I personally, I was like, this dude's just like beat. Like he, he's just so tired. He dropped forty-seven against a box and one. I also want to bring up the fact that I think that one of the most important things about their strength in numbers and Kevin Durant coming to this Warriors team wasn't so much that it was more talent, as much as it meant that Steph Curry would stay healthy, because. Early in his career, Steph Curry struggled with a lot of ankle injuries. And it was, at times, he, like, couldn't stay on the court. And even, like, early in his finals runs, you would see playoff series where Steph Curry was in and out, and it was, like, a game-by-game thing. But since getting Kevin Durant, for the majority of the time, not always, there's still been final series where where Steph Curry was missing a game here and there. The majority of the time, Steph Curry has stayed somewhat or pretty healthy in the, like, biggest games. Why is that Kevin Durant and, doing? And I'm saying, so I'm saying one of the most important consistent things that I don't think goes entirely appreciated with the strength in numbers mindset is that like when everybody in this team is healthy, no one has to step up quite the way that they did on, let's say, like the 73 and 9 team. So you're saying Steph part of the Curry reason, like got injured because he was always stepping up? I'm saying that Steph Curry played a different way in this finals, or, or not necessarily in this, he changed it up for this final. He played a different way the last couple of years with Kevin Durant on the team where he wasn't attacking the rim and getting inside and playing as sort of like reckless and dangerous on purpose and throwing his body on the line as he did in the past in his like unanimous MVP seasons. And that was a privilege that Kevin Durant and their strength in numbers mindset gave him. But, okay, but this year, I just want to, like my, my reason for the Warriors losing this is because they didn't have strength in numbers. And yeah. It's like people are always saying, they always tell me like, how can the Warriors not have enough shooting? They have the two best shooters of all time. And on paper, at first yeah, when you but, read that, it's like, oh, well, of course, it makes so much sense. It's but you got to no, have it, five it, shooters it, in the court. Yeah, it's not about the amount of shooting, as in, like, Stephen, 
Stephen Curry is this good at shooting, Clay Thompson is this good at shooting. It's amount of shooters. Because amount of shooters is what spacing is. Two people who are really good at shooting isn't what spacing is. It's like how the defense pays attention to you. Because this, for this, this, Warriors this, was the Warriors, this was the Warriors' strength in numbers in terms of who was an above-average shooter, let's say, in Game 6. Let's, the second half of Game 6. Stephen Curry going through the roster. Clay, oh, no, Clay's out. Alfonso McKinney. Quinn Cook. That's it. That's it. Jonas Rebko does not count. Yeah. That's it. Because he didn't do three. anything. Three. And two you of, might, and two you of them might are have bench to, players. I'm not sure about Demarcus Cousins in Game Six. Draymond Green has hit hit a couple of threes in the in both of the last like couple of games. No, you have to respect he, that Draymond Green. No. When Draymond Green faced a lot of criticism for his shooting, and he stepped it up just in the finals. I don't think he shot that well from three in the finals. Like he there, shot, I'll look there, it there, up. There were, okay, there were like there was one moment in Game Six after he like turned it over twice and then missed two threes where he hit one to like tie the game. I think it was like in Game Five, maybe it was Game Six. And th- everyone was going crazy about that. It's like, oh, Draymond's back. Draymond's back. I'm like, okay, my guy. He just turned it over. No, he just turned it over. Got called for a charging foul, and then missed two threes in the last like four minutes of a game six. Like, how can you hold this guy accountable for being really good? And I know you're looking that up, but just one other thing I want to say. Like, the Raptors did have strength in numbers. Because yeah. you just outside of their guys like Pascal, Kawhi, and Kyle Lowry, which I think Pascal and Kyle Lowry almost act as strength in numbers guys themselves. And you have Fred Van Vliet. You have this is maybe the epitome of strength in numbers. You had you had Marcus Saul, and then if he gets in foul trouble, then you have Serge Ibaka, and it's like th- there's no difference. There's nothing else that happened. OG didn't really play in the finals because he was injured. Norman Powell was pretty decent for them. Like you just had a bunch of guys who you could plug in. And one, they were always good at offense. There's not just like one glaring hole in your offense, unless it's like Mark Gasol like, can't catch passes. But you just talk about you can sub. Well, you can just sub guys in and out without it being that big of a deal, which I thought we saw with the Warriors in like 2015, 2016, and we saw the Raptors in the finals here. And I just, I think it, it's a weird double standard, and that's why I don't think people can hold Steph Curry accountable for that i missed most of what you said but i don't think that steph curry is fully to blame for the warriors (laughs) losing at all (laughs) this kid zones out so much i was i know i was trying to find it i I couldn't i couldn't find it but um yeah i i yeah i don't think i don't think this steph curry did literally everything he possibly could or he attempted to do everything he possibly could and it still wasn't enough and that's not on him but i do think it's noteworthy that like when it came down to the one-on-one of clay thompson or sorry of Kawhi Leonard and Steph Curry. Kawhi Leonard had the better team around him, but it was Kawhi who looked like the dominant player. I guess. Shout out I, Kawhi. I, I, maybe I'm just paying attention to this because I'm a Steph Curry stan. Actually, you know what? I'm like, going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to revise that, though. But it's, I don't think that it was Kawhi Leonard who really stepped up at some at points in the series when they really needed the most. That Game like, 5 stretch where he went on his own personal that was, 10 that was, run, that was, I was like, I was watching this unfold. And if they won right there, I'm gonna be, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be telling my kids, like, how they, great Kawhi they're, was. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to ask, what was Kawhi Leonard like? And I'm going to be like, let me tell you about the 2019 NBA Finals. Yeah. Well, game, we're still going to say that. No, like, but, like game five. Yeah. Like, that yeah. seems like peak Kawhi Leonard of his career. Like, yeah. Like, every great player has his moment. Yeah. But, like, like let's say game six. Like, Kawhi had a, had a very solid um, outing in every one of these games, I would say. Kyle Lowry maybe had the best game of his life. Yeah, but I was going to say, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet were really the ones who stepped like, up in game maybe six, Maybe his life. Yeah. Like, it was absurd. And Fred Van Vliet, like, G League Fred Van Vliet, four, maybe, yeah, like, four-year player at Wichita State Fred Van Vliet, G League champion Fred Van Vliet, okay, like, he's he was in the G League for mm-hmm. a good amount of time. Off the bench Fred Van Vliet, sixth man Fred Fred Van Vliet dropped like twenty three points and was busting Steph Curry's ass. I honestly in think game six. I honestly think Fred Van Vliet <laughs> was like, like I don't think you can give him Finals MVP just because of how great Kawhi he, played. He was this saying this series. in the group chat a few because, days ago. Because, he was like, he was like, "Am I crazy for thinking that Fred Van Vliet deserves Finals MVP?" 
I think that I didn't say that he deserved. I think that I said I said he should expose. be he should be in consideration. <laughs> he got one vote. He got one of there are eleven gonna, votes for Finals MVP. Kawhi Leonard got ten. Fred VanVleet got one. I, because I think that if you look at the entire playoffs, like undoubtedly Kawhi Leonard deserves deserves Finals MVP. If you're uh, factoring all of that in, but if you look at like who is guarding Steph Curry. And who is hitting the most important shots of the series? And there's also a clip out there like, where, where Fred Van Vliet's bringing up the ball, and Steph Curry is, is getting ready to guard him, and then Steph Curry just calls for a switch. <laughs> like, well, no, I, to be fair, I'm pretty sure that's because Steph Curry was like super winded. Tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like, makes well, sense. Let me just guard Danny Green in the and, corner. And actually, respect to Steph Curry for like seeing that in himself. Like, okay, like I mean, yeah, you see yeah, James yeah. Harden do that all the time. Yeah, but. Like, like there's that, like Russell Westbrook, for example, would have had too much of an ego to say that, you know, he would just like take it upon himself and try to like hero ball. Yeah. yeah. So like respect Steph Curry for being humble enough to do that is what I'm most to saying. Um, but I honestly think like Fred Van Vliet, like Kawhi deserves finals of AP. Like realistically, he's the best player in the team. Yeah. But if you're really just looking at like who is the most important player in like the most important moments that really won the Raptors the championship, it might be Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I guess. I, like, I mean, no. Just in the finals. Wait. Just in the finals. Okay, like, no. But I, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, if you look... I want to look I back ju- at... I mostly just mean he deserves more than one vote. I think Kawhi Leonard should still win. I don't but think he deserves 10 to more one, than one vote. 10 to 1. I don't think he deserves more than one vote. But I think... I'm very curious to see what would happen if you go back to all four of the Raptors' wins and check Fred Van Vliet's stat line compared to all of their losses. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Because I think... Yeah. When Fred Van Vliet, like, I'm trying to think, like, who who would you see this with in finals previously? I don't know. Like, maybe I mean, if, like, Andre Iguodala shot well from three, maybe that, yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be analogous. But it just, if one bench player steps up in a big way, then if you're already struggling to guard them, and then that happens, it's just a GG. Like, yeah. Yeah. Game, game over. over. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's talk about our predictions. Like let's let's revisit those. Okay, I can explain. <laughs> say what you say what you predicted first. Okay, so I predicted uh, that the that the Warriors would win at five. Why? Because I thought Kevin Durant would be back, and I didn't think that Clay Thompson would get injured. Fair enough. And I also just thought that like I get like I didn't realize how not deep the Warriors roster was. Yeah, I mean to be to be fair, like. The box and one only came out when Clay was injured, or they when ran Clay like stepped a, off the they floor. They were in like a triangle and two for a very brief period of time. Really? Where it was like, yes, yeah, so you had three guys who <laughs> I've just never like, seen that in an actual like, yeah. I basketball. I I did not like I didn't even know that existed, yeah, no, and then like I was telling my the announcer like, said that I've never seen a box and one ever. I think maybe San Antonio in an NBA game. Yeah, I think in, yeah in an NBA game. I think maybe San Antonio ran it for like a few minutes against LeBron in like the Miami Heat days in one finals game it's it's so it's so incredible nick nurse nick nurse best coach in the league like for him to pull that out of his bag and just be like like (laughs) yo let's let's work let's try a box of one (laughs) and for it to like actually sort of like work pretty well worked definitely worked because yeah i mean you're you're putting the ball in draymond green's you're saying hands behind the three-point line what i mostly mean is like steph curry dropped 47 in a game not all against the box and one, but like good parts of it were against the box and one. So you can't just totally go out and say like it was like the, it won in the series that box and yeah, one. Yeah. But like that really threw the Warriors like off their rhythm a little, and at a time where they were already dealing with that like inconsistency in the roster that we mentioned. So I think that was like actually very important, and Nick Nurse is a genius for that. Who are you saying is the best coach in the league over him? Greg Popovich. Yeah. Hard for me to say that, like, as great as Greg Popovich is, obviously, like when his team, like this year, his team wasn't in the playoffs. That's not on him. They but, were like, in the playoffs. Or they were the seven seed. Yeah, they, they were almost the play- beat the two seed. They were in the playoffs. Sorry, I don't know why I had a brain fart. They were in the playoffs, <laughs> but they didn't make it past the first round. Yeah. So barely. Like when 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 that team loses in the first round, and then Nick Nurse goes and pulls some crazy stuff to beat the Warriors in the finals. I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Nick Nurse the best coach in the league. That's no disrespect. No disrespect to Greg Popovich. That's an exaggeration. I would put Greg Popovich above him. It feels weird putting Brad Stevens above him. Just not after the season. Yeah, not after the after season. After the Celtics season that they had, 
I would put Mike Budenholzer over him. Even if not for his X's and O's, you gotta like give you gotta sort of discredit Brad Stevens for not figuring out the locker room, sort of like until maybe the playoffs, if even you can say that. But I, I guess, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to. He had a lot on his it's plate. A, it's hard but. to like have locker room problems if Kawhi Leonard's your best player because like he's not gonna be like he has no. Yeah, ego, yeah, yeah. Right? I just mean that's. It's more so that it's like a negative on Brad Stevens than a positive for Nick Nurse. I guess, um, but but I do like the stories that like how much Nick Nurse truly cares about everyone on that team is amazing. That elaborate. I don't know. They're like he he talks the way he talks about in interviews his players is just so heartfelt and he like you know it's like co- like a lot of coaches are there to win like he like cares about those Raptors players like they're his children. I just think it's like it's amazing to watch him talk about them. Like especially like I heard him. T- I'm thinking mostly in my head about. He told a story of like he went back into the locker room after game two, and he said, "Okay, we just we just got to steal one in Golden State." And Kawhi said, "F that, we're taking two. And the way that like his face lit up as he was telling that story, and that like he got everybody else to rally around Kawhi Leonard after he said that, it makes me just love Nick Nurse so much. It makes me love Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess. Yeah, I see that. Like, I th- I think a lot of coaches are that way. If yeah. You've had success. Yeah. But I guess he was saying that before he won the finals. So I guess, I guess there's something to that. But I would put Popovich over him. I would put Budenholzer over him, which is crazy that Budenholzer Budenho- after one season. Yeah. Cause- I mean, I guess Nick Nurse after one season too. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also like, Coach Bud has been a good coach in the past with like the Hawks. Yeah. So, um, which is crazy that like he didn't have a job for like a little while. Yeah. Um. Who else would I put all over him? I don't know if I can justify putting Eric Spolstra over him. I don't know if I can justify putting Mike Malone over him. I I, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the predictions, though. Okay, yeah, predictions. <laughs> okay, so, so I, yeah. I, I think we've been through my prediction a little bit. Yeah. I didn't really understand how not deep the Warriors were without Kevin Durant, and also I couldn't predict the Clay Thompson thing. Yeah. Which was horrible, but... um. That's kind of how I stand on the situation. Didn't really realize that there was like no shot makers on this Warriors team besides Steph Curry. When they went up three one, what were you thinking? I didn't think it was over. You I didn't think, think it was over. Do you, like I, you, you thought it was like four game five. Did you th- like? What do you mean by you didn't think it was over? Like you thought the Warriors were gonna, the Warriors were going to come back and win, or you yeah. thought they were going to like take it to seven or what? I thought I was like, okay, they're definitely winning game five. They're probably going to win game six. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, I was I was fairly confident that they were going to push it to seven. Really? In, yeah, in a game seven, if they didn't have Clay Tom, well, so so, okay. what point did you like? Is it like now after the fact you're realizing like, dang, this team is just not deep at all? Like, because you said like you didn't realize how yeah. not deep the Warriors yeah. were. Like, at what point did you have that realization? Like in when they game, lost. In or like game halfway through a game, three. In game three, but, but so then why when, after game four were you still picking the Warriors to win? I guess my question. I know. I think it's after. <laughs> I think it's after game one, honestly, because I picked the Raptors to win game one. Yeah. But in the way that they won it, it was kind of crazy. But anyways, yeah. um, I was taught. Just in my mind, one, I thought Clay Thompson was healthy. Yeah. Two, I have so much faith in Steph Curry. I I don't know why. It's blind faith, maybe one could argue, but it's just, I had so much faith, and I just felt like, one, it's like no, there's no way. There's no way they can't they can't do this. There's no way they're not gonna win the finals. You can never count the Warriors out. Yeah, and two, I just I just really thought they had it in them. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I'll move into my prediction. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, I predicted Warriors in six, but my one of my biggest points was you just didn't have a prediction. You're I like, said you're like Warriors in six, maybe Raptors in six. You're like I Paul said, Pierce. He, I said Paul um, Pierce just doesn't pick an opinion. I said Warriors. I said Warriors in six because I said that if the Raptors won both of the first two, then it would be Raptors in six. I said if the Warriors won one of the first two, then it would be Warriors in six. But one of the one of my selling points was it wouldn't go to Game Seven no matter what. Yeah, that was. That was so I don't know why really I had that. I just like had a feeling that whoever was going to win it was going to win it like pretty comfortably. Like the games would all be close, but they they would like really assert themselves like as the winner, and I think the Raptors did that. Unfortunately, for circumstances that the Warriors couldn't really control, even though the Raptors played incredible, I don't want to like discredit that. 
But so I so I was wrong about which team would win in six. Yeah, but I think you you but, ha- you did have the point because the the Raptors really did kind of assert themselves as the more well-oiled machine mm-hmm. and the more like we don't care that it's a game four or a game five or a game six in the biggest stage in basketball. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We have a ice blood cold assassin yeah. in Kawhi Leonard with a good supporting cast. It seemed like the Bucks during the regular season just keep rolling, keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, we're gonna try to execute execute in close games, even though we didn't see that in Game Five. It it just seemed very kind of like they had it. Yeah. By contrast, I know we were talking about this before. The Warriors just seemed devastated. Their flow was all out of whack. Not not even their flow. It's just I, there was an interview with Bob Myers, and he was just like. We were mentally... He didn't use the word defeated, because I don't think the Warriors are ever mentally defeated. But I think mm. they were just so mentally drained. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. And emotionally drained, because not only is it Kevin Durant with an Achilles injury, where we saw Bob Myers almost cry in yeah. front of the entire media, yeah, which was moving. But like, you also... After that, which also shakes a team, your, I don't know if it's a leader, but your best player, your guy, who's, like, brought you here, he's gone. With, like, he comes back, and then he's gone. Just highs and lows. Yeah. Then you have the same thing with Clay Thompson, who, like, up until now, has been your rock in terms of, he, the last time he missed a playoff game was the We Believe Warriors. The last time there was, there was a Warriors playoff game where Clay Thompson wasn't in it. Was a We Believe Warriors. I think he told me that. Was he even on the roster? No. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, like, like, he, so while he's been on the roster, he's never missed a playoff game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's just like, it's just so mentally draining and so emotionally draining that it's like, you saw Steph Curry, like when Clay Thompson went down, he just spiked the ball on the floor. He was, he was, yeah. and like afterwards, you see uh, the Warriors went to the tunnel. Steph Curry, like cool, calm, collected. He punched a hole in the wall. He I did. didn't even know that. Yeah, he did. And just I wouldn't say Steph Curry's always cool, calm, and yeah, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I would say somewhat of like a role model in that he doesn't really get aggressive with his anger. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think he put... I'll get into this later, but I think that Steph Curry, a lot of what he does is a little bit of a show, and that makes me really angry watching him. I can't stand the... Like, Sometimes no, his attitude around the game, but, but yeah, but, but he not, doesn't. But he doesn't get angry. You're like, yeah, he doesn't get like physically angry. And also, he there's not like there's not a video of this hole in the wall, but it's just he just heard about it. Yeah, yeah, and just, yeah. But I guess <laughs> I, I felt for him, it, it, and just yeah. that I feel like the Warriors just it, it made it that much easier for the Raptors to be like, you know what, we're gonna win this series for sure. As as disheartening as that was for the Warriors. It was like very uplifting for the Raptors. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Even though the Raptors fans were kind of being, want to talk about this? Just horrible. I'm, I'm gonna get back to my prediction. Okay. But even right. though they like, yeah, briefly. Like even though they were like laughing or like cheering it on, like that's terrible. Like as the Raptors, that even even though you're set for um, Clay and KD, they're your friends. You've just been playing with them. You're competitors. And outside of basketball, like you're you don't like hate them you they're just your opponents on the court it's also like okay we got it's like even more uplifting inspiring like yeah like this is ours yeah they're a man down um and i guess so so looking back like after game four i was like okay the Warriors are gonna win in five or six and going into game five i was like 50 50 50 50 until like I, like, I really wasn't sure who I thought I was going to win until, like, minutes before the game, and I was like, all right, the Raptors, the Raptors got this. They're at home, um, and I think they're, they're going to win. But they lost. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess my sort of my most cold take of the series was I tweeted out yeah, okay. the gif of... Dude, okay, I feel like we need to make separate accounts because, like, <laughs> you're making me look stupid on social media. <laughs> I mean, at least I'm being controversial, though. Yeah, but, like... But but so basically, if in case you you don't follow us on Twitter, which you should, which you should link in the description. Twitter is mostly me, and he's mostly Instagram. Um, <laughs> but on Twitter, I tweeted out a gif of Vince Carter saying, "It's over, it's over," in the dunk contest. 
at like before game five. Yes. Yeah. Oh no no it was it was during game five. It was, it was, it was, it was during game five. It was That's that, even worse. It was the Kawhi Leonard. Do you remember when he had when you said he went on a 10-0 yeah. run by him? It was that. Yeah. Like that was with, what like four out. minutes left yeah. in the game, yeah. and you tweeted that out, and you're making me look like a dumbass. And so I'm sorry. I, I like I'm sorry. I retweeted his tweet on on the same account <laughs> and was sorry. like I was like C Flynn like stop making me look stupid I'm not with this Steph Curry hater <laughs> yeah I, I might have been a little bit clouded in my judgment follow us on Twitter it's cool I was I was like very I was like very sure at that moment I was like yes we did it and so I, I was like oh no like the the Warriors are really about to come back and like and I'm gonna look so stupid. But at the same time, like going into Game Six, like I still picked the Warriors and they picked the Raptors again, and I was like, yeah, like all right, they're gonna close it out tonight. Yeah, so that was that was sick. I so I'm proud of myself for getting no game no Game Seven wrong. I wish I had picked the Raptors. I didn't think it was gonna happen because I assumed, like you said, KD and Clay would be. I assumed Clay would be healthy for every game of the series, and KD would be there for like the second half, which didn't happen, unfortunately. Do we think, like, obviously you think this, like, I, I kind of do too. Like, I kind of wish, like, as happy as I am at the Raptors won, Did you I kind of wish that they beat a healthy Warriors team. Because I, I don't think they would have beaten a healthy Warriors team. I think, I mean, this is my opinion. I think if Clay Thompson, it, let's say, I, if, if Kevin Durant was indefinitely out for the season to get mm-hmm. away from that inconsistency and emotional factor, if he was just definitely out for the season, and then you have Clay Thompson super healthy playing every game normally i think the warriors would have won this series i just the as happy as i am that the raptors won and i am like thrilled i'm so i'm so happy the raptors won i think there was a lot of different like fairy tale endings that sort of could have happened and this really wasn't any of them because even though the raptors won like the nba as a whole is also in celebration like very upset for katie and clay and like wanted to see they didn't want to end this way. More of a discrediting thing, or more no, of just like takes it's away just from the like, celebration. Yeah, like like more than that. Like I don't. I'm I'm a fan of KD. I'm not really a fan of Clay, but I'm like I'm I like I really feel like heartbroken for both of them. I don't like the Warriors, but I feel like very bad for everyone on that roster because I I know that they're at home right now going through the what ifs of like what could have happened and i i Clay just Tom, Clay it's Thompson more than wanted anything, to come back to play on a torn acl we, should, we gotta talk about that too we, we, we gotta like i just wish that like there wasn't there didn't have to be this what ifs of like what like like what if everybody had been healthy like what if i just wish that clay thompson had stayed healthy kevin durant had come back for the second half of the series and it had all gone like it was supposed to and it had gone to game seven and either kevin durant is celebrated as this hero because he comes back for bringing the rap the Warriors back from three one, like let's say he came back in Which, game five, won five six and seven, and they win the championship. Does he win Finals Kevin MVP Durant, in that situation? Thousand percent. If he comes back and does to that play for three games, then, yeah, I, I he guess. deserves it. If yeah, he does, I think it's like if 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 it was like him who was stepping up. My like, reason, let's say it was Curry who set that up, then no. But like yeah, yeah, th- that's my thing because like. My theory was, okay, if Kevin Durant comes back for game five, six, and seven, I don't think, just like for health reasons, I don't think that he would be out here dropping 35 a game and being super, super clutch and being like, oh my god, Kevin Durant saved the Warriors. I just think that his, going back to the strength of numbers thing, I think that his general presence would have been like, would, and I was kind of right for the beginning of game five, where he got injured in game five, right? He got injured in game five, yeah. Yeah, where I was kind of right for game five. I'm like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. Katie's going to drop 25. Clay is going to drop like 23 and then Curry is going to go for 30. Yeah. And then it's just going to be classic Warriors. I, I, I said, I said, um, which I was watching was with my right dad and like some of my family friends, including Mr. Sam Wiener. Shout out to him. What? I said I would shout him out. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I said in the first quarter of the game, like, like, like before the game started, that I was picking Raptors. But, I, you know, I always got to put like my butt when yeah. I make a prediction. Like, I always yeah. do that. So you I said, do always do the Raptors that. are going to win. Unless Kevin Durant has more than 10 in the first quarter. He had 11 in the first quarter. And so I was like, okay, game over. Because what I was thinking was, if Kevin Durant comes back and and is on fire and lights it up and is, and is right back into his rhythm and takes over the game, game five is Warriors. It also takes over the crowd, too. And if, so if Kevin Durant had come back, won that game, and had all that momentum and, like, 
the entire Warriors fan base and team was like rallying around Kevin Durant and he was leading the way, I really think they would have won the series. Like if he if he had come back and let's say dropped like 30-40 in that game and and they won game 5. I agree. They could have won that series. I think they would have, definitely. Just as Yeah, and, I I think even if you just have a 80% Kevin Durant, I think you win that series just cuz the presence, just cuz consistency, just cuz strength in numbers and just because you can't run a triangle in two on anyone because you actually have three score yeah. you have you have three scoring threats which is like crazy that like that's the a warriors have to think yeah about that. that the warriors have to think about that and like a finals team has to think about that at the on the other hand though i don't want to say it's karma i don't want to say like because the warriors don't does no one deserves to get injured but you have to think that it's part of the game and the warriors have played against their fair share of teams that had their star out right like Against the Cavs, it was Clay and Kyrie. Okay. Against like yes. they had a they had a they had a playoff run where they didn't play a single starting point guard. Every yeah. point, yeah, it was like it was like Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Kyrie Irving. Like it was everybody was out. Like and Mike Conley. Like so, like I don't I don't want to say like yeah like okay the Warriors deserve to get injured because they keep playing teams that are injured. That's n- I will never say no one deserves to be injured. But it's, at the same time, it's part of the game. So I don't think that Warriors fans right now have the right to say, oh, this championship doesn't count, and turn around and say, like, yeah, like well, this championship should be ours. Because the Raptors went out and earned that, playing the game like the way it's supposed to be played. And injuries obviously are an unforeseen thing that you can't control. And obviously no one wants the, this, the Kevin Durant and Clay Thomas to be injured. Or if you do, then you're just a terrible person. But... At the same time, like it's it's part of the game. Like my, don't my only thing with that is that people forget this because he played through it. But Steph Curry had a, like a low key sprained ankle for the entire twenty sixteen yeah. playoffs and that, when the Cavs came back. That's partially what I'm saying is like part of the reason Kevin Durant was so important is because he meant that Steph Curry didn't have to play like on a sprained ankle, right? Or he didn't have to kind of make the play that would give him a sprained ankle. That's what I meant on that rant before. Yeah, but but I'm just like, before they had Kevin Durant, when the Cavs came back and the Warriors don't have a championship, is they're up 3-1 and your best player and unanimous MVP is playing like 80% and just yeah. kind of trying to compensate when like his whole game is changing directions. Yeah. Okay, get into your Steph Curry rant because I want to tell you you're wrong. It's about his, like, attitude, you mean? It's the whole the whole like, foul thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I don't know that when I'm watching a team, I've ever seen a team that looked for as many foul calls as this Warriors team, first and foremost. Have you watched James Harden? James Harden looking for foul calls, yeah. But, like, I would argue even more so. Like, after every single pause in the game, Draymond was going up, putting his chest into the ref's shoulder getting in his face for Steph Curry it wasn't so much that but he's got this like demeanor that he plays with he's got this like superstar attitude that's developed where after every pause he like does something it's like whether it's like fiddling with his mouth guard or like slapping the floor or like making like a mean mug like throwing the ball I don't think that's evolved I think his mouth guard movement is like notorious but but that has become super exaggerated over time to where it's all a show now every it'll be like He'll he'll get fouled and miss the and like but like miss the shot like not an M one just like two free throws, and he'll like slap the four and like make a face like mm. it's like I don't I don't know what it is exactly but it's like every time I watch Steph Curry play, play I just get frustrated. It's the same thing with like he'll good. get he'll get open shots, and he'll like he'll do the thing where he shoots and then like in the air he'll like collapse, and I don't think like okay he's looking for a foul. But it's like literally on every single yeah, shot. You, you like I don't know about that. I that did. I, I don't know. Like it was, <laughs> as I was watching the series, it was like every time he took he took an like an like an open even if it was open like as soon as he set his feet, it was like okay he's gonna collapse afterwards. It's like you're the best shooter in the world. Just he just, can afford to do that. Just follow through. He just, can afford to do just it. stand like, there and shoot. I've, I've been to shooting camps and everyone's like, oh, but Steph Curry doesn't follow through. And the guy's yeah. like, because he's the best f- something <laughs> shooter in the world. Yeah. He doesn't need to follow through. Yeah. But I, it's so, so here's the thing is like, he did that literally every single shot throughout the entire series. And then on that shot in game six, where he comes across and he shoots it, he stood there and stared. He didn't fall. That was the one shot this series. I remember him not falling. No, here's, here's my thing. 
if you're watching this right now, look up the clip of that game six shot with like three seconds left. Yeah. And his three pointer, watch his right leg. Does he kick out or something? Yes. He his right leg goes to the left side of his body. He he shoots right. Look, this is his right leg. I think that's part. Of- goes over here because he he's been doing it the entire series. Which is, yeah. And I saw that. And then I thought of you because we've been having this conversation for a few days. I just, I think it's like, part of me, part of me is shooting now. Whether it affects his shooting or not, it's unnecessary. It shouldn't matter. But I think it's a, I think not only is it a bad habit to get into, and I think it's a bad example for like younger kids. Yeah, but why is it a bad habit? Because, like you just mentioned, when all of a sudden the game winner he misses in his right right foot, maybe that's not why he missed. That's That's a, that's such a hard shot. If the one shot that that mattered the, the most of any shot that series, he still does that. He like he still has the tendency to cross over even though he didn't fall. Just doesn't look the best, and and it's more okay, it's more it, it it's, just doesn't look the best. Is that why it's a bad habit? Like, sure, it, d- does it annoy you? Like, does it, it, it frustrates me so okay, much. So that's it's, that's part that's of what, your big complaint. It's like, it's, it's annoying. It's 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 the thing. It's like. Every time you shoot, you just collapse. It's like you're supposed to be a role model. You're supposed to be like the best shooter of all time. And after every shot, you fall to the floor. It's captivating. You're, 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 he's literally, he's taking open threes and he's on the ground after every one of them. It's just, it's just a you're, terrible you're, look. You're, you're, go, go rewatch the series. After, I, it was it's not that bad bro i was it's i was watching frequent. him i was watching him with with that in mind because i was so mad about it and it's 90% of shots it is oh it is so as soon as he steps <laughs> if he steps inside the three point arc it doesn't necessarily always happen okay side note but i feel like he does do it a bit but like steph curry has developed this thing where he has like a fire weird mid-range game like well, he's, like, he'll pull up really fast. Yeah. yeah, no, he he gets the defender on his back, and he doesn't want to go into the lane because he knows he's going to get triple team because they're, they're running a box and one. And so mm-hmm. he just goes, and then he gets the defender on his back, and he just does like a float. He does a like, floater from the elbow or from the free throw line. The and way just, he like that's just the epitome of Steph Curry like touch around the rim that he can just like do like layups from fifteen feet away. I I just <laughs> I feel like Steph Curry has sort of developed a style of play where it's like. Instead of going out there and playing aggressive and just dominating because you're the best shooter in the world, he's trying to get like fancy and like delicate with it almost. Okay, have you not been watching this dude for like four years, five years? Like he he's in, always in, done that in, in, in NBA Two yeah. K. They he's had an animation. Yeah. An, where he like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had animation where like he had like a twenty foot. But when was the last the time he did floater. that? Did he do that once in the series? He hasn't done it for the past three years. But my point is, he's not attacking the rim quite the same way he used to. That, he's no, developed just, this no, game it just, where it's like no, it's just everything. Everything is like built around taking advantage of contact and, and that's getting great. That's so good, but, Connor. But but. Every other superstar in the NBA moves through the contact and attacks the rim. Well, James every Harden, other superstar James Harden does- draws the contact as he tries to finish anyway. Steph Curry is the... I don't know if there's anybody else in the NBA, really, okay, no, who does this thing. No he, other superstar in the NBA is 190 pounds. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. True. So that's true. He, he, but but he Steph Curry have- didn't used to play like that. Yes, he did. He used to have that... That floater but that's animation. not the same thing. That's that is still going hard to the rim and taking the contact, but getting the shot off before the defense gets no, there. That's why the entire world hated the Warriors in 2016. It's because like, oh yeah, all Steph Curry does is shoot threes. One, not contact. Yeah. Two, you like, he's like, oh yeah, they're like, they're like sissy. They're like foul. They they don't play hard. Yeah. Well, the so thing is, that's what you're saying. Is, but he you're wasn't getting fouled. He wasn't getting fouled, but because it was after the shot. Steph Curry developed the perfect shot in that in that scenario where as soon as he would get inside the lane, all he had to do was put it up over the defenders before they got there and then take the hit afterwards. And I think that like that worked incredibly well and he's shied away from that. But the thing is, now instead of instead of working if, instead of working to try to play your game around the fact that you're small, 
he's just trying to take advantage of contact at all times. And the, that's, he's, that's good. he's that's manipulating the like, rules, no. and it's just so frustrating to but, watch. No, whether take it the draft. When looking at prospects, we're like, okay, is he does he is he going to be able to get to the free throw line? Because that's how you be efficient. But Steph Curry is NBA. not getting to the free throw yes, line on is. those shots. On yes, those is. shots, Steph, yes, how how frequent? For, he is he getting had, to the free throw he, line I think he maybe had like, one for every like, six times he falls to the he, ground. He had two four-point plays in six games this series. He's getting... He is two out of, like, 50 times he hit the ground. Like, it is so frequent that a hill... It's like it's like maybe one for every six times he hits the ground on offense. That's pretty decent. It's a free throw. <laughs> That's pretty decent. No one else is hitting the ground that much for that few free throws. And it's not like he's hitting the ground because he's getting tackled. He's hitting the ground because someone comes within two feet of him. So he's like, Ugh. Also, I would argue that, like, as opposed to, like, five years ago, now the, the call of, like, the whole Kawhi Leonard Zaza Pachulia thing, the, the idea of, like, giving the shooter room to land has, has gone way up those calls. Yes. So I think Steph Curry is just but, being smart and taking advantage of that. But he's not, but what he's not doing is jumping straight up and letting himself... Okay, neither is James Harden. James Harden can win Harden, MVP. James Harden is going through the contact by going straight up and coming down no, he's on not. those feet. No, he's not. Yes, he no, is. There's been, there's, been, there's been like videos of James Harden just jumping forward into contact. But everybody shoots forward on their jump shot. So does that is not that. Bro, for somebody who's his, uh, you idolize this man. How do you not see this? I do. He jump, he shoots, and he literally falls backwards. No, he jumps forward, then he gets hit by no. the defender, and then he sells the it's, call. It's like this. To get to the mic. He jump, he he jumps and collapses in the air so that he literally doesn't move. <laughs> he jumps backwards out of bounds. When he's in the corner for three, he hits the bench behind him. No, he jumps. Yes, he does. No, okay, he ends up behind him. He jumps forward. Defend, he doesn't. He doesn't jump. Him. He never jumps forward yes, he because does. he literally collapses in midair. No, he. Uh, everybody, right now, go look up Steph Curry like three point compilation of like misses bro. or like or misses or makes like. <laughs> no, <laughs> this man is doing backwards <laughs> somersaults. Like, are you good? You're bugging my guy. I, I hate it so much. <laughs> I I cannot stand watching it. And so like oh, I don't I yeah, all right. That's that's my rant. It's basically that Steph Curry is like the best he, that on thing earth, he and he's good at drawing fouls. Oh, but he's not even drawing. He's Steph, James Harden is way better at drawing fouls than him and does he's, not hit the He's the, the floor. best at all time, maybe. Exactly. But you know what James Harden is not doing? Moving his legs to his chest to draw the foul. He's he's kicking Steph his Curry, legs out. He's kicking his legs. This is a out. thing, Connor. He's not. It's kicking. 2019. This is a but thing so that happens. James Harden. James Harden is not moving his legs out in any way that's abnormal for his jump shot form. He's not doing that. I feel like he's and altered his jump shot form to do his that. His jump shot form is mo- like maybe, but like. He's not doing that for the purposes of drawing the foul where people land under him. I don't know about that one, bro. The Warriors, that is, you're also thinking about one game, that Warriors game um, where they weren't yeah, calling it. You're yeah. thinking about one game. After six, after they've done that six times and they haven't called that, sure, maybe James Harden is moving forward. But that's because he needs to get that call to win the game and, they're, and the rest aren't calling it. So, yeah, he's going to exaggerate. But it's like Steph Curry just has those tendencies now where it's like, it's it's more than just that like collapsing in midair thing, which you can be frustrated that by that. You can be not be frustrated by that. By that, tweet me if you know what I mean. Um, at space the four, maybe space the four podcast. No, it's what, at space, at space the four. four podcast. Mate, I no, that's at space four podcast. You literally run our Twitter and you don't know. <laughs> but it's also just like the demeanor and attitude he plays with is just very like show offy at times, if you know what I mean. And, and I don't. And, but that doesn't take away from his game. I don't. I. My main problem is, and it's he not, doesn't it's care not, if it's it not, annoys you. Yeah, he does, and it's my point is like it's not it's not necessarily that it's like taking away from his game, but the point is that like if you pride yourself be on being a role model, if you pride, it's just like you're an, you're an NBA player, not a movie star. Like just play basketball. People okay, are here man. to watch. People are here to watch you play the game and just light people up from three, not hit the ground every time to draw a foul because it's not even working that well. And it's all just for the show. Well, I think you're getting to something else. It's like, oh yeah, like 
you're just hitting the ground in terms of because like you're flopping or because you're like not strong enough whereas like i think that like everyone loved steph curry in 2015 because it's like hey i can be that guy because i'm not strong but but no one can do that except for him in the nba no one in the nba no you just told the story about steph curry doesn't follow through well he's steph curry he doesn't need to follow through yeah so if that's the example you're setting, you're not setting a very good example. Now, and if you could, and then you, then maybe you return with, well, Steph Curry doesn't care what example he's setting. Then why is that's then why true. is he? The, I think he does exactly. Care. So but, then why no, is I'm he saying, doing? He that? doesn't care if he's annoying you with his flopping. He's doing but whatever he's not, he needs. He's not playing the game. He's playing this like he's playing to a set of rules that don't even exist. <laughs> I, no, that doesn't make sense. And yeah, it does. <laughs> It doesn't in my head. It doesn't in my head. <laughs> Listen to yourself, my guy. All right, all right. I think I've I've ranted about Steph Curry long enough. Yeah. I, it's more just like I get so frustrated watching this team because I love the way that Kawhi Leonard just puts his head down and plays. He'll get called for a foul, and he'll just turn around and he'll go back and play. Even he'll play. like he doesn't, he just doesn't do. Like he just he plays the game. The Raptors. The only time I saw anybody like get really mad on the Raptors about a call was. Kyle Lowry with that Warriors part owner. That was the only time in the series that I saw a Raptors. That's play. so not true. When did no, can you name one other time? Yes, that? yes. Like Kyle Lowry went like all the time. When he would get called for value, but like, like all like yeah, he would just flip out. Definitely not I, as I, much as anybody I think, else. No, I think will. it's on. Like, I think it's on both sides, and I think throughout the playoffs, my least favorite part of these playoffs, which have been awesome, is, Rex, is like, you suck. Rex, no, you like know, just just shut up. No, not, not yeah, the fans chanting, but just, also no, oh no, God. it's just like any foul call, and the players are like. Or like something, just, so, some monster just came onto the court and yeah, they're yeah, in yeah. shock. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of how much criticism the refs get. They're doing their best. They're calling the game. They're not biased. They're not making bad calls. They are making yeah. the every a few times a game. The refs are making a call that it's like okay. Most of the time, it's a judgment call. It's pretty close, and you're just biased and just think that they made the wrong call because you're on one side. Just shut up and let them play the, and call the game. They're doing their job. They're doing the best they can. That's sort of, my, and so, and also like, if you're Draymond Green, if you're, like, all you're not doing anything by going complaining to them except making yourself look worse and just annoying the heck out of every fan who's not on your team. There was a moment where. It, it was one of the games earlier in the series, and Andrew Bogut fouled someone, and Andrew Bogut was coming in off the bench, and then when it was called on him, he raised his hand. And then, that was that was really good. And, and I was like, "Yo, what?" It was it was and because then, and then Van Gundy was like, "That's how you know that's a guy who's old and who has been in the league a long yeah. time. He accepts the the foul well, call and raises his hand." Oh, that, one was, that one was that one was. I found that hilarious. He thought they called the shooting foul for a second. It started to go like what. And then they called it on the ground, and then he just put his hand up. Really? Yeah. So uh, they I changed. They called it just on the ground, and like, or he thought it was shooting foul. Then he changed it on the ground, and like, he just put his hand up. Yeah. But I, but still, awesome. still, like, respect that. Like, you just, like, I, you don't even have to like to put your hand up, but just like when you foul someone, you arguing it is not going to change the call. Maybe it changes the next call, but even so, in my experience, all that talking to the ref does is annoy the no, fans, I think, annoy I think, and annoy them. No, there's something that is there with like playing the refs not in terms of like tricking yeah, the refs yeah. but in terms of like talking it, to them it's yeah. like business it's like it's yeah, anything but, it's like but the thing you, is you it's gotten to the them. point where like i think makeup literally calls are a if thing. all 10 players on the ref on the on the court are going to the ref after every single call then no one's accomplishing anything like it it's different if it's like once in a while you made a call that it, the ref made a call that you're sure is wrong and you go up to him and say like yo i think you made the wrong thing like just keep an eye out for this next time that's different than saying which like, happens, and in the old days ha- yeah. they used to do that yeah. during like timeouts. Or exactly, whatever. but like literally, just like after every dead ball, going up and five players push her, yo, you like not even saying anything. Like that doesn't accomplish anything because as soon as the as soon as they as soon as they, there's a foul against you, you're gonna be turned around, not saying a word, and the other team is gonna do the exact same thing. But on this series. It was one sided. The Warriors. It was not one sided. That. That's I'm, that's your Raptor bias. There, the I, maybe Kyle. You you're probably right about Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry definitely did that a few times. Kyle Lowry. I think Serge Ibaka. Serge, did ba- it a few Serge times. Ibaka and Marcus Gasol would make a little bit of a face. They did not. They were not approaching the refs like okay. like like physically intimidating the way like Draymond would. There for was example. one time that Demarcus Cousins. The Marcus Cousins has got the most like weird mean mug face of like <laughs> <laughs> he does like. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, okay, and, like, I think making a face is still something. Yeah, like, no, Marcus, it is. Marcus Hall, Serge Ibaka, even Pascal. But, it's, but it's, it's far less exaggerated. Even Kawhi Leonard did it once. No, Kawhi Leonard flipped out one time when he picked up, like, his fourth foul, which wasn't yeah, a foul. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's, that's but, interesting. But, but, if, but, if, but that's what I'm saying is, like, you have to respect Kawhi if he doesn't do that once all series and then there's one time where he's sure it's a foul and he gets mad, then you know it's the right call. And if you're the refs and it's like you're Draymond Green and after literally every time you're there, they're thinking about giving you a tech after every call that goes against you, then when there actually is a call that you are sure that was definitely wrong and you go to ask them for help, then they're not even going to believe you. Then it, it's like, it, I don't know. It's just frustrating to me yeah. as a whole. Do you have anything else to talk about? I think that's kind of it. Okay. That, I, go Raptors. We the North. Warriors will be back. We'll, we'll see. Warriors we'll will see. be back next year. Rest up, KD. We'll see where you go. Also, one last thing, talking about the Warriors. Uh-huh. Kevin Durant isn't going to re-sign, like, accept his player deal, be, like, in terms of, like, oh, yeah, I got to watch out for my health. He's going to, like, the Knicks or the Clippers would pay him his full max because he's just that good. It, even though it's like, okay, we're going to pay him like $35 million one year for him to not do anything. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's fine. And I think same goes for Clay Thompson, although there's a report saying that they're going to offer do, him the five-year max. Do you right? want to talk really quick about Clay Thompson trying to get back on the court? Oh, yeah, that was <laughs> That sick. was so weird. So, that was so Clay Thompson went that, out. That's what happens when you grow up watching Kobe. Like, I know I'm not the biggest Kobe yeah, lover, but like, but that was, I was like, that damn. Like, Clay Thompson, though, he, he like, when he landed. The first thing I saw him do was he like crossed his hands over, like signaling like my. And so immediately I was thinking, okay, so his they can't see his your leg. thigh just okay. went o- just went over his shin, like past his shin. So basically, what happened was he came down, he landed, his below his knee stopped, while his upper body above his knee all kept moving. So it like I don't think that's what happened. That's it, yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. No, like his leg and his. Thigh went different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, no, but so not like, like not vertically, like horizontally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So his, so when he landed, his foot to shin stops, but yeah. the rest of his body and his knee up keeps going with his momentum. And so you, so I was like, okay, I texted in the group chat. That's torn ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus, something. It's Doctor. like he definitely, <laughs> he definitely turned torn something. But then. This man comes running back out of the locker room. He's <laughs> running. Walking. He's jumping. No, really? he comes walking out of the run of the locker room. Then after he makes the two free throws, he jogs back on defense and starts jumping yeah, around right. at the free throw line, waiting. And then he's like, "I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." And Steve Kerr pulls him out, and yeah, he doesn't. And they, he doesn't play. They, they and go they to the locker room. And they're on the way back to the locker room. Like while he's going, he he tells Steve Kerr something along the lines of, "Don't worry, I'll be back. Give me a few minutes." That's it's so and then, strange. And then he doesn't come back. And apparently there were also reports like he was really trying to push the medical staff to, to let, let him, him go, go back away. out, and he, they wouldn't let him. If you and have a torn ACL, I was, you I was, can't. Yeah, but I, like at that time they didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was thinking like, does this have anything to do with like public opinion and like letting Kevin Durant come back too early? And I was thinking like, if it did then that makes me mad because this is the NBA Finals. And it's not like, oh, toughen up. It's the NBA Finals as in you shouldn't be basing your decisions off of public opinion. You should be basing yeah. things off of what you did right. Which, he had a torn ACL, which means they made the right decision. Uh, also, sort of one final thing. This should help Kevin Durant's legacy, even though he only played a quarter and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. Just his willingness to sacrifice his own health for just because he wanted to win. He didn't obviously know that he was going to come out and tear his Achilles or, you know, whatever, like rupture his Achilles. Yeah, one last thing. But this, that should help his legacy. W- w- no, with that, I can make a whole video on this. But I, this idea of Kevin Durant, you respect him now because he got injured? Oh, come on, come on. That's full of shit. Like, that's, that's not a thing. You, you can say you feel bad for him, but it's like, this ends KD8, like, July 4th, 2016 to whatever date it was, 2019. And they're saying, I respect him now because he put his body on the line for his team. That's not, that's not it. Because if he didn't get injured, just by coincidence, you would still be having KD hate today. Yeah. And you, this is like, you're just, you're, should... you're like advancing this narrative of, it's like, oh, it's like, you, the the guy earns your respect back when he gets injured. When one, that's, that's horrible. Like, Two, that's, that's like not martyrdom. his fault. Yeah. Three, yeah, that's martyrdom. Like, 
that's that's not okay. And there's NBA Chop Chop summarizes so well on Instagram. Basically, like you shouldn't reward people for getting injured, and you shouldn't that shouldn't have to happen for you to earn back their respect because. One, that's wrong and that's morally wrong, and two, that's just a logical fallacy because yeah. like them doing that isn't like, it's not like there it was their choice to get injured. All this should act as is further evidence that Kevin Durant cares a whole lot about winning. He and cares basketball. a whole lot about what, what about his public image, his legacy, and and about winning. He just he's gonna put his body on the line for the game to win championships. I, I love and he that cares, so much. He cares a lot about his team. Yeah. He cares a lot about those rings. I, it just felt so bittersweet, or maybe just bitter. But just like when he got down and when it was a torn Achilles, I just sat there for a minute. I was like, I was just in shock because one, that's Kevin Durant, but two, like that was my first favorite player. Like yeah. everyone, every NBA fan has a first favorite player for like. Most people in their mid twenties, it was Allen Iverson, for most or Kobe, like well, yeah, probably or, Kobe or or Kobe, and then for most older people, it was probably Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and but like e- even even before that, you just have first favorite players, and that always has somewhere in your heart, and that's why I was, I was really devastated. Like before it became Steph Curry, Kevin Durant was my first favorite player, and that I just I wish all the best for him. Yeah, right. I yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Space of Floor NBA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you're well, if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. That'd be great. If you're listening on iTunes, leave a review, and follow us on Instagram at Space of the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space of the Floor. And we hope you enjoyed. My name is Connor Yelan, and I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace.